Welcome to Channel Smart, where we take on the challenges of channel evolution, indirect routes to market, alternate and shadow channels, and our mission to save the channel. The channel landscape is super complex, and navigating your business through that complexity can be daunting. That's where JS Group comes in. We help tech vendors, distributors, and channel firms succeed where others fall short. Alexandra, welcome to our Channel Smart podcast, where the channel goes to learn about growth and survival for their business. So excited to have you on the program today. Thank you for having me, Janet. I'm so excited you invited me. I always enjoy our conversations. So for the folks that are listening that don't know you, could you maybe just tell them a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. So I am the Vice President for Partner Managed and as a Service at Cisco. So I've been at Cisco for eight years, and I sit in the Global Partner and Routes to Market Sales Organization. So my background is essentially in, in technology since 2005. Before that, I was in banking and television. I've done a bunch of things. I've worked and lived in 10 different countries. But I've been really, really in the software and services world since 2005 in a variety of roles and in a variety of countries. That's amazing. You know, as I spend time with you, I've been so impressed with your grasp of service base overall, coupled with your ability to commercialize that knowledge, working for and with channel partners, MSPs, SIs. You know, so often we see people that are services experts, right? but they don't know how to monetize the services. Or we see commercial experts who don't know how to monetize things, but they don't understand the actual platform and technology. So they struggle to bring the solutions to market. And I think, you know, having this conversation with one of the partners that met you at an event uh, that we were both at a few months back, he said, she's a unicorn in the space. And I agree because of your grasp, both of the technical elements of the solutions and services and your understanding of how to sales activate things. So it's no wonder every time we're at an event together, there's a line of partners and vendors wanting to talk to you. So I'm hoping today for our podcast, listeners can listen to you as an expert and that you can talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the as a service space and what you think partners should be focused on today in that area. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for the very kind words. I always enjoy hanging out with you and we need to do another event soon. So I think what, you know, what is as a service? And I, the other day somebody asked me like, do, do you know, what is it and why is everybody obsessed with it? Really? I mean, there is a technical component to it, but m most of it is actually about the commercial model. And, and so why is this happening in the industry right now? Well, for a variety of reasons. First of all, because we've seen that customers are demanding outcomes and experiences. And as you move to outcome-based selling or you need to translate a solution into a real outcome, then comes this need to, okay, what, what it, exactly is an outcome? And we have, uh, we look at outcomes in three ways. Uh, an outcome has to have a business KPI. So it has to deliver a value to a business workflow. It has an experience KPI. So what is that that value that you're deriving from the overall experience? And it also has performance KPI because a customer outcome is the realization of value across an end-to-end -end solution that makes a meaningful impact to the customer's business. And when you start really digging in and saying, okay, what can deliver performance experience and a business impact, 
Well, there's an underlying technology solution, and then there is a set of services. And so you start like figuring out, okay, what kinds of services come with a solution? I mean, there comes the as a service, right? There's the, the implementation service, the delivery service, the insight service, all the way from when a customer decides what they're going to buy to how they're going to manage and optimize uh, that solution. And this is where, you know, partners, partners are coming in. So what's happening in as a service is really we're seeing the abstraction of value away from the components, the hardware and the software, and we're seeing the value migrate to the service or the stack of services. Then you add a commercial model to it where, you know, people usually think of the as a service moniker as only subscription, right? You're paying as you go or paying as you right. use. And all of a sudden, that's what that's what's happening in the industry. It's the move to outcomes and experiences and that being translated into a stack of services that really partners sell and and partners build and sell together together with vendors. And that's why at Cisco we call it the age of the partner because really it's putting the partner in the driving seat to stitch all these services to, together to deliver the outcome that delivers a business impact, a performance impact, i.e. an SLA, five nines, and, um, and that experience that is cloud-like clicks that you don't actually have to see the technology, it's just magic. Wow, great insights. You know, it's so interesting. It's exactly what everybody's seeing in the market, but there's such a gem there for our partner listeners to think about. And I think what you've done, which is so masterful and why obviously Cisco continues to dominate in the industry is kind of shifting that lens away from speeds and feeds and features and product specs to these outcomes, right? And partners have to some extent always sold on an outcome base. They just haven't always marketed their businesses on an outcome base, which is interesting. They continue to talk about cloud, let's say, for example, as opposed to what's moving the cloud. So would you transform somebody's business's customer's experience, performance, et cetera? And so I think that concept of how this changes, how the partners really talk about the things they do now um, and you know what they've done in the past as a service, this is all about to become more and more customer focused outcome. And it's frankly brilliant. And obviously also a shift for many of us in the industry, most particularly the partners. But I think the carriers and the vendors, advisors, consultants, you know, how will they ever have the talent to compete in that world you just described? Because they have, to be frank, and it keeps me up at night, a lot of talent gaps in the industry. And particularly when I start to think about this really intelligent way you're looking at outcome-based as a service in the age of the partner, I think this talent discussion becomes even more relevant. It's so critical. And as I know you're out and I'm out and we're talking with partners, it's one of the biggest conversations we're having. And it's because it's so important to their business. And for those of you who are in love with generative AI as I am, the robots can take over some of this work, but they can't do it all. And frankly, as a service from our partners has always been based on the human to human connection. And so I recently saw a blog that you wrote about this talent topic. 
And so I wanted to dive into that topic now because I thought it was so insightful and very helpful. And I wanted to start with the gap in the tech world. What are you seeing with regards to that gap in staff and talent? And what are you thinking about in this talent gap that we have in tech? The, the talent gap is here, and it was more pronounced, of course, during the, the pandemic, um, where, you know, uh, our partners were busy spinning up hybrid work uh, experiences all over the place. And, and, and they were, where, where is the talent? Or we see it also in the security space, right, where the yeah. demand for cybersecurity uh, talent uh, has led to a shortage, a skill shortage, and it's 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 actually a, a, a global problem. So we see it we see it everywhere. And the other big data point is the move to managed services. I mean, companies are starting to take the decision that they can't uh, they can't find this talent quick enough. They can't train it quick enough. They can't retain it because usually it's a cost center at a at a company. And so they're turning to the managed service providers to fill in this gap. So, um, I, and you know, we, there, there's lots of solutions of how, 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 how do we address this? But at the, at the heart of it is we, we collectively in the tech community just have to go find, hire and train more talent. And so the blog that you're referring to is uh, what I call the five C's of hiring. Uh, you know, it's how do you hire for a future that's uncertain where you have to be flexible and where people have to be continuously learning. And so what guides me is these five C's, you know, um, uh, I start with competence. Of course, competence is always important. Uh, we need we need to look at candidates that have uh, have certain skills, but it's a different kind of competency. You can't just look at people as an uh, checking boxes like you have to really see whether they, they have, um, you know, have certain skills can can they write can they put an argument together they can they, they can they put a business case together it's less about um having you know checking boxes and more about like these these key skills that people need to have especially to deal with volatility and uncertainty then the other is capability hire for aptitude you know we we want people to be able to learn look at software languages right they they change so frequently you know all of a sudden now python is is the language to learn a couple of years ago i i was hearing it's all about cc c++ rather right um the third one is character so i'm i'm here talking more about the attributes of a person versus like their their moral standing but do they have that character that that to take on this this role are they a collaborative individual or do they do they fit with the with the with the culture of, of the company and then my favorite one is curiosity curiosity is i think the most important one because you know i always have this um uh thing that if you're curious you're gonna find out how to how to really seize that opportunity or or solve that problem so curiosity is is really great. It's the people that really push the envelope and always find a way to get things done. And the last, the last one, which is equally important, is the, is the culture. I mean, especially in the tech world, all our companies have a very specific uh, uh, culture. I love Cisco's culture. I love our theme of um, an inclusive future for all, building an inclusive future for all. So making sure that you know you're joining that the person you're hiring can be part of your tribe is is really really that's very interesting 
I'm out there talking with MSPs and system integrators and vendors and distributors. And I think where the brilliance comes in this five C's mentality you have is that it broadens the conversation, right? Because we do have this tendency to say, okay, human resources, I'm looking for a round peg and here's the 20 parameters I need for that round peg. And then the bots go out and they search the resumes and the LinkedIn profiles and they bring back people who technically are a right fit for the job description. But I think where the five C's are interesting is because it's not just about the technical fit and the roles that someone has done in the past. You know, things like curiosity. Curiosity isn't something that shows up in a resume or a CV, but I think it changes everything we do when we think about the concept of curiosity or that concept of a person's character. I was digging in and reading the five C's blog you wrote. And, you know, I think we've practiced things like looking for certain personality traits and characteristics and characters, particularly in salespeople. But now that we're in an ecosystem that's ripe with services and more complex outcomes, I think that the character we look for will be someone who can shift, who's always learning, who's willing to fail fast and fail frequently in order to figure things out. And I don't know that any resume can solve that. So how do you think about the MSPs and the SIs and how they should think about these five C's in regards to their business? Yeah, exactly what you're saying, Janet. This is this is how do we uh, fill this gap, this sh shortage? It, we don't have people, all, you know, with the CVs that match the the checkbox mentality. So you have to go and look for the people that can learn, the people that have the curiosity to go and do something different, the people that are resilient. And, you know, if they if they fail or do something right, they can stand up and, you know, and do it, uh, or rather do wrong, they can do it right next time. And, you know, that's, that's exactly how I think you should be using this. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a framework, as you know, I love my frameworks. So it's just a framework to guide you to like go and find other talent because at the same time that you know Corn Ferry predicts that there's might be a gap of 85 million jobs in the tech industry by 2030 there might be a gap there but there are other industries where people have had amazing careers and have these characteristics that with sponsorship and help they we can we can get them into the tech industry because the other amazing thing, and I do this with um, with the young people all the time, you do not have to be a computer scientist to work in the tech industry. You do not need to know how to code to work in the tech industry. There are plenty of jobs that don't require those technical skill sets. And even in cybersecurity, a lot of cybersecurity is around the psychology of how things get broken into and, and uh, you know, there's, there's areas that are not just technical areas, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So using these five C's to find the right people for the job versus finding the people that check the box. I love that. And I think that channel journey, the thought of almost creating a new channel hiring methodology framework or, or whatever we want to call it on that journey can deal with some of these new realities. I was with a security vendor this week who I work with and they had some really interesting folks on their team. And to your point, 
they don't necessarily have to come from the industry. As we all know, many security breaches, more than 70% actually, happen from a person's action within your company, typically. Not a nefarious one, right? Just a mistake. Typically, someone just accidentally clicked a phishing email or clicked on an unverified link or exposed data one way or another. Um, and so it was so interesting because as I'm talking with this uh, talent at this company, he left Hollywood where he created TV shows and now he's creating edutainment security videos. He's far from an IT or security expert, but he had the curiosity and the skill set to write engaging learning, to address a huge problem in security, human behavior. And he did it in a cool way with an almost Japanese anime. Um, and I think what they've done there at Ninjio is they've, they've kind of bent the curve, right? And used talent to bring things like security to life for people. And it brought to mind that concept that you just talked through. Everyone doesn't have to come from a technical background in the tech industry. People have skills that can be helpful, particularly back to your initial point. In a managed service world, a lot of what we're doing isn't about the tech, but about the customer experience, about the customer engagement, right? And there's some industries, hospitality, for example, where we have really good customer experience talent there that could join a company and make a difference. So as we think about it, you know, as we've looked to maintain these roles during the pandemic and post pandemic, and as the roles have changed, I love that concept that a partner in embracing these changes could build a whole different hiring framework based on your five C's. Really fascinating concept. When I, when I was leading collaboration, we had a great example of a partner, a small partner. Um, they had they had set up an um, advanced services. That's all they did. And what their advanced services were focused on was SaaS adoption. So you would go to them after, you know, you had a big enterprise, buy a bunch of seats. But how did you get people to actually use the, the software and experience it? And, you know, which is your traditional customer success function. But in these big companies, you know, IT then gets the, the role, oh, you, you, you're in charge. And so they would turn to, to uh, this company called Advanced Spring Ser Services and they had actually hired uh, psychologists. They had hired all these different kinds of people to not only build the content, very similar to the example you were giving, Janet, uh, build the content in an engaging manager, man, uh, in an engaging manner. Because think about it, um, adult education is one of the hardest, <laughs> hardest things to do. But oh, also yeah. they would uh, they would like get deep into the psychology of how do you get people to behave differently and do things differently. Um, and, and get them to adopt so that you get to that hockey stick adoption curve. So, yeah, we have to harness the whole power of the human race and all the great things that we do, like creativity and every and to really bring these folks into our, our teams to create new narratives, look at different content, videos. Um, I, there's it's a world of possibilities. These are some great thoughts, and my mind is racing already about how the channel can change their hiring framework. And I know from reading the full blog on the topic, there's a lot more insights to share on how they can make the five C's work for their business. So again, I encourage all of our listeners to carefully read through that blog. Um, I know your time is precious, as is our listeners. So I'm going to ask my final question. How should our listeners think about the future of the channel based on what you shared today about the five C's of talent? 
Well, one thing is for certain, we are in a time of unprecedented change, right? The the pace of technology is 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 fast. Uh, we now are about to get hit with the AI disruption to everything that we do. And in your introduction, you were already thinking of a future where we're all replaced by robots. But <laughs> that means you really have to start evolving your talent plan. Um, make sure you have very good succession plans in place hire for the future, manage your team for the future, and investing today in that new talent plan, make sure that you will be able to grow your business. And you'll have to have, uh, you know, certain competencies. Of course, cybersecurity is top of list, uh, top, top of the list. Um, there's also new, new roles that are coming up, like SRE roles, site reliability managers are becoming the new business architects because they, they are really in charge of delivering the service and figuring out how things get spun up to the cloud and really, really key people to have on your team. Make sure you have these key roles on your team and this key talent. And then the last thing that I would say, apart from, you know, being more open-minded about how you hire, is really think about how you are training people. How are you building an environment of continuous learning? Because that's going to be the way to really win and grow in the future. Because if you really build a nurturing environment where you're constantly have your best people retrain, learn, unlearn, relearn, as I like to say, you will be able to bear any change that comes at you. Okay, I love that. My first boss ever used to say, learning companies are earning companies. And I think that's still and very true today. I believe your insights both around how partners have to rethink their business to be more outcome-based, and then as a result of that, rethink their talent to make sure the talent can perform in a way that makes those outcomes not only predetermined for customers, but that they also deliver those outcomes so they're not just PowerPoint templates that people use and talk about, is just masterful. And I know the channel appreciates and loves that you're digging in on talent, a topic that partners need guidance on. And so I just wanted to, on behalf of all of us at the Channel Smart Podcast, say thank you so much for your time today. As always, just delighted to chat with you. Uh, I'm going to steal that phrase, uh, learning companies are earning companies. Love it. Thanks for listening to Channel Smart, where we take on the challenges of channel evolution, indirect routes to market, alternate and shadow channels, and our mission to save the channel. Brought to you by JS Group, the world's premier channel consulting and digital marketing agency. Subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and always be the first to access new episodes. For bookings, feedback, questions, or comments, feel free to reach us at info at jsgnow.com.